Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. The title of our podcast today is Comrades, the story of Jumpin' Joe and Alexandria. It's a World War II theme um, topic today. So uh, it's an interesting story. We're going to jump into it. But before we do, let me remind you that we are a true crime comedy podcast and we use adult language. So if adult language offends you, then... Then go watch Barney the Purple Dinosaur. We don't want your ass around here anyway. Check out one of the other fine podcasts out there, like our friends with They Walk Among Us, um, our friends at Haunted Visions, our friends at Rants and Reasons, right? Rants and Reason podcast, yes. Timmy. It's a very good one. And our friends at Deadball, which is us, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to introduce a lady who really needs no introduction, a lady who has been... Uh, called Brandy the Benevolent, Her Majesty Queen Brandy the First. How are you today, Brandy? I'm doing good, Timmy. <laughs> you really don't sound like Brandy at all. I got a little bit of a cold here, Tim. <laughs> As you, if you haven't guessed yet. I just wanted to, I, I got to go. I can't really stay for this episode. But I really want to appreciate you and the Colonel, uh, uh, Carrying the weight here. And now, I know now Brandy, uh, we, we've we've often wondered what you think of our physical appearance, uh, the Colonel and I. Oh, you're quite impressive specimens, Timmy. Yeah, and you find us attractive, do you? It's hard for me to keep my hands off of you. And what do you think of our intelligence, Brandy? I I I think you're down in your office is splitting the atom every day. <laughs> we really haven't lost a lot with Stephen Hawking, have we? <laughs> So, so Brandy, you sound like you have a bad cold. I got a little bronchitis, Timmy. I need to cut back to maybe three packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> Are you still drinking pretty heavily, Brandy? Yeah, just uh, but I cut down. I'm just drinking. Only to excess? I'm not drinking the moonshine anymore. I'm just brown uh, liquor, okay. whiskey. Well, that's good. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're taking care of your health, Brandy. Yeah. The other way, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I got uh, um, I'm, I can't name because I got to do, do not disclose, but there's huh. a economics teacher that has paid me. Oh, I see. Money and, not and to disclose now, our now there is, you know, there have been rumors that you've had this uh, relationship with uh, this economics professor, but you're saying that you cannot disclose that now. That's right. He gave me a uh, thirteen dollars not to talk about it. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, Brandy, we're sorry you can't stay because we would love to have you for this whole episode. Well, I would love to be around you two handsome creatures for a whole hour, but I got to get, I got drinking, I got drinking and whoring to do, Timmy. You got to plug into your iron lung? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Brandy is going to have, unfortunately she has to leave, but thank you for stopping in, Brandy, at least to say hi. It, It shows us how much you care about your audience. Yeah, well, fuck them. I got drinking to do, goddammit. <laughs> okay, so Brandy's not here, obviously, <laughs> today. But uh, she'll be with us next time. Uh, but we do... Maybe. Ha- maybe have- she'll be here. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we'll just maybe do this we'll again. Maybe we'll just this, replace this her is, ass. This is kind of fun, actually. Yeah, <laughs> Let me introduce the uh, a man who is known as the moral compass of our podcast. Nope. <laughs> a man who has uh, been described as an oasis in the desert of despair. 
a man who uh, is, well, he's just well-loved. The very honorable, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, not good, Timmy. What's wrong, what's wrong now? You can talk now because Brandy's not. She always interrupts you when she you, always, when yeah, you share. She never lets your, me get my not good stuff When you out. share your struggles. But I'm going to let you elaborate. So what's wrong, Colonel? What's well, wrong today? First of all, Timmy, I uh, I cracked my front tooth. <laughs> I saw that. It's much worse than I told you, by the way. But <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So you, how did you crack your front tooth? Well, I was, I, I was just taking uh, a vitamin. And mm-hmm. I popped it down, and uh, my, it, now if my wife would have got me the gummy vitamins that I wanted, this would have never been a so problem. So this is basically Renee's fault. Yeah, it is. And then I went instead of getting a glass of water, mm-hmm. I uh, turned on the faucet, and you know my depth you perception drank direct, early uh, directly in the from the faucet. I did, Timmy. <laughs> no. has, has Renee ever told you not to do that? She has repeatedly told me not to do that, Timmy. Do you drink milk from the bottle? Well, Renee doesn't. Yeah, goddamn right I do. <laughs> I buy the damn milk. I drink it any way I want. Renee's not listening. You can say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, that's right. So you ch- you chipped your tooth, or you we, we don't know. Well, I cracked it. You cracked your tooth. So you have to go to the dentist directly after this. Yes. For yes, emergency uh, dental repair. Yeah. All right. Well, we're sorry to hear that, Colonel. I know that... Uh, you 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 take your appearance. You know you you kind of look like Bobby Hall right now, <laughs> <laughs> like you're in Slapshot or something. And I'm you know Timmy, I'm a little disturbed because more and more I mentioned this the last time, but more and more they're not honoring these do not disclose forms. Yeah, I know. You're you, are you worried about Stormy Daniels coming back to haunt you? Uh, it's not Stormy I'm worried so much about, but I got I got a lot of people. I said you know if I give you twenty dollars, could we just <laughs> go let away. this go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you ever think about this, Timmy? Now, Stormy Daniels is an attractive woman, right? Yeah. But and men, if you're listening, y'all don't judge me because y'all know it's true. Every one of us has been with somebody that if it came out, you'd be like, "Yeah, I will give you a thousand dollars to just <laughs> never say we were ever together." Those are one timers. They call those one timers. <laughs> yeah, that's they, someone I banged once. That you had a little you bit too much. You to don't. Drink. Not twice. <laughs> not I twice. Mean, that's, that's, that's right. Twice is a high bar for me. <laughs> But once, yeah, almost anyone will fit in, the, in that category. But yeah, but it, there ain't people. You don't want to brag about it. You don't <laughs> brag about it, and you don't want them talking about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, I understand, Colonel. I'm with you. And now they're not respecting those things, and I just want them. I remember when the, you know, remember when uh, Clinton was president, and they went out and they dug up all that on him, and, and it was like a sixty million dollar investigation. I'm telling you, it would not take sixty million dollars to investigate me. It'd take about a dollar thirty seven <laughs> and, and a just couple a phone trip calls down to my office to <laughs> have me, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay, Colonel. Well, I hope your tooth is. Uh, uh, I hope they ever to repair it, so you don't have to. Uh, walk I'm just going to stick a chiclet on the. Well, I'm no, one would ever, no one would. No know. one notice. All right, so. Uh, I know it's uh, the people on our Facebook page. We want to encourage people to join our Facebook page if you haven't. It's History to Use the Podcast. And also leave us some reviews on iTunes. That's the only way we people find our podcast. So if you could take a minute and leave us a review, we would appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk about this story. You know, I know, Colonel, you were in the uh, – now, when we first started this podcast in 2015, can you believe it's been three years? No, I cannot, Timmy. It's I think that's right, right? Quite, yeah, yeah, three years now. Three years. And when we started this, you were running for high office. You was running for president, if I remember right. I was, Timmy, but then I dropped out because did you I notice any Russians? different way. Did you notice any Russians in the, uh, you know, oh, hanging around? Oh, all the people around me was Russian. Really? They was drinking vodka, eating. So they were trying to influence, they were trying to, you know, make you an asset during, during the election? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I got tons of money from the Russians. That's why I dropped out. You got all the money you needed. I got all the money I needed. <laughs> the rubles. Yeah. So are you considering running again in 2020? It it depends on what Vladimir t- asked me to do. Oh, I see. I see. How, how much money he's willing to give me, Timmy? <laughs> do you think you could win? I mean, it, it was kind of a ridiculous thought when you were in the first time, but... I, yeah, know. and then it built momentum, and all of a sudden I had like three people who were going to vote for me. I kind of think you would have been a good alternative, actually. <laughs> actually, you know, You've been you, a people, rational alternative. you people laughed at me, and now you're thinking, hmm. Yeah. It doesn't look so bad. It doesn't look but, so bad. But are you consider, you consider running in 2020? Yeah, and I'm just going to— If the people on our Facebook page 
encourage you to. If they encourage me to, I will. And I'm going to run on one one thing to me. Okay. I don't have a Twitter account. Okay. Well, I do have a Twitter, but I don't know how to use oh, it. Oh, that's that's <laughs> so, going to be your platform? No Twitter. No Twitter, actually. No okay. Twitter, none at a time. Okay. All right. So, well, speaking of Russians, this story <laughs> involves a Russian. Um, this is a story about an American soldier named Jumping Joe Byrell and a uh, Soviet, uh, Soviet then, right? There was Soviet Union in back in the Second World War. A Soviet Union tank commander by the name of Alexandria. And they became buddies in the war. They kind of had a little fling, I think. And uh, this is their story. So although the United States and the Soviet Union are adversaries now, Colonel, and during the uh, Cold War, they were one time, the two superpowers were once close allies, as you know, during uh, the Second World War. Uh, they worked together to defeat uh, Adolf Hitler and, the, and Nazi Germany. A young man from Michigan named Joseph Beryl, um uh, became the only American to fight both in the Soviet, uh, U.S. Army and the Soviet Army during World War II. So he, he should got paid twice. He should at least get to eat twice. I wonder if, I wonder if the Russians paid him to me. I, I bet they didn't pay him what they paid me. <laughs> Probably not. Um, he would fight alongside of a uh, Russian or a Soviet tank commander by the name of Alexandria Samsusko, Samsusko. I'm probably fucking that up, but, you know, we'll call her Alexandra. Just yeah. Alex. Alexandra. And she was the only female Russian tank commander in World War II. This is a story of friendship, endurance, and sacrifice. It's kind of a remarkable story, actually. Uh, it's like the notebook, only they kill people. Yeah, kind of, just like that. Yeah. You know, Amber Crook would like this story, I think. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's got romance. Romance, murder. Some dirty, muddy sex. And... and, and Killing. Love and killing people. Yeah, yeah. Blowing people up with tanks. Yeah. And what can, what that. can be more romantic than that? Only if they bayonet at people. <laughs> Joseph R. Barrel was born on August 25th, 1923 in Muskegon, Michigan. You ever been to Muskegon, Colonel? I've been to Muskegon, Timmy. Yeah, you vacation up there. Are you vacationing mm-hmm. in Michigan again this year? I am. We're going to, uh, oh, hell, I forget the name of the place we're going to. But now, it's in but Michigan. It's in Michigan. You're up here up in, in, uh, in Clark, uh, Clark Clark Country. Clark, we're, I'm, 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 I, no, I think Clark's far up north. Okay. We usually go down to the lower bottom of the lake, but we might end up at Clark's house. Is it, uh, where's, where's the bears at, the bear caves? Is that, I, I think, it, I don't know. If I, I can, you know how you make Michigan your hand? Or yeah. They, I don't know. It's like in the upper part. Someone will tell us. Someone will know from the page. Clark will probably know. Okay, so anyway, um, he was born in Muskegon, Michigan, 1923. He graduated high school in 1942. So he graduated a year after Pearl Harbor. So Pearl Harbor occurred, of course, in December of 1941, and then he graduated the following spring. Now, he was quite a baseball player, Joseph was, but he turned down a scholarship at the University of Notre Dame and instead joined the Army to uh, serve in the parachute infantry. He was a um, skydiver, uh, paratrooper. Uh, he, he trained in Georgia uh, when he, after he graduated high school, and he served in the 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 101st Division, also known as Screaming Eagles. Screaming Eagles, A yeah. legendary unit, yes. I've never heard an eagle scream. Yeah, like, well, I've never heard him scream, but uh, I'm sure they do when they get angry, upset. Yeah. Joe specialized in radio communications and demolitions. Uh, because he, because of his love for parachuting, Joe uh, was given the name Jumpin' Joe, Colonel. Jumpin' Joe. Jumpin' Joe. Jumpin' Joe his, Flash. Uh, by the his... Rolling Stones wrote a song about Jumping Joe Flash. I think he has Jumping Jack, but eh, oh, okay. close enough. Uh, he got his nickname from his commanding officer, and the name kind of stuck with him. He was stationed in Ramsbury, England. I wonder if uh, Ben and Rosanna knows where that is. I don't England's know. It's only about 50 square miles. No, sure that's not do. true. Maybe Leanne knows. She's, she lives in England. England is not a big place, though, Timmy. Well, it's, it's not as, as big as, as the United States, but it's more than 50 square miles. It's like Ohio. <laughs> it's a little bigger than that, I think. I don't know. I've we'll have to measure it. I mean, have you measured it? I have not. All right. I, 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 I'm you actually talking out my ass here. <laughs> I know Australia is bigger. 
You see that Trump made up, uh, was making up facts when he talked to the <laughs> And then just admitted Trudeau. to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just made shit up. Here's the thing. If you're going to make up facts, and, and first of all, don't make up facts. Right. You know, I well, mean, we would never do that. I, I've not as as the colonel. The colonel has a certain code. I know, I know you do. And if you're going to make up facts, never if, and that's a hypothetical. Yeah, thing right, right. If you do, don't just come out and say that. Oh yeah, I just made that shit up. <laughs> yeah, unless well, it's to your kids, then you can tell them anything. No, I just made that shit up. And the day before that, of course, he said that um, professional mountain climbers were um, coming across the border. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't know there was there was, I guess there are the Rockies go up through Canada and yeah. So I guess can. those people, those goddamn Canadians, keep sneaking in here. Well, they're stealing our all country. the jobs. They're stealing our jobs. All, all the uh, professional mountain climbing jobs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got bumped out of a spot. Okay, so Jumpin' Joe um, uh, went to become a paratrooper. Okay, so uh, he's in England. Uh, preparing for the D-Day uh, landings uh, in uh, June of 1944. Uh, prior to D-Day, though, he, he was involved in several missions behind the enemy lines in France. He twice was flown in to German-occupied uh, territory in France and uh, parachuted down with uh, gold for the French resistance. The United States, of course, and Great Britain were supporting the resistance in France and um they had to get the money, so uh, that was his job. He, you know, that was pretty dangerous. Where well, it's dangerous now, but it was really dangerous back in the Second World War. Then came D-Day and Operation Overlord, of course, that occurred in uh, June of 1944. But before more than 5,000 ships landed, the Allied troops on the beaches of Normandy in the morning hours of June 6, 1944, some 1,200 planes flew over the land to drop thousands of paratroopers behind German lines. Uh, of course, they were preparing to help make the way for the uh, D-Day invasion. Joe was a part of that, and um, it was very dangerous work. The casualty rates were really high, and they flew at night, um, you know, in the, in the night of June 5th, which was, you know, hours before the uh, D-Day invasion. Uh, and it was a very dangerous mission, to, and they had to land behind enemy, enemy lines and then cut uh, bridges or destroy bridges and cut power supplies, soften up the defenses uh, for the men who were about to land on uh, Utah Beach at dawn. Uh, with planes blowing up around him, uh, you know, there's flak, anti-aircraft, all that going on, tracer fire, um, he parachuted uh, above the Germans, who were who saw him and started firing at him. Unfortunately, he landed. This is something like you would do, Colonel. He landed on a roof of a church, and uh, <laughs> hopefully not the steeple. There was uh, no, there were yeah on the roof of the church, and there just happened to be a Nazi sniper hiding in the steeple. <laughs> so he did not have a look. Good luck. The uh, the sniper started shooting at his parachute during its entire descent. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, he was kind of a sitting duck there. I mean, what can you do? You know? Well, I think I told you the story. Uh, this was not on the thing, but my father was a meteorologist, and uh, right, and he'd send those weather. Well, I told that story in uh, in the last one, but he'd send the weather balloons up. Yeah, in and Korea, he knew right? if the first one went up and got shot down, just to get the hell out of the area. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, Joe did not have that option. Uh, he survived the drop, though. He survived. He survived the jump. He was uh, flying in a Douglas C-7 Skytrain in the night, uh, and the night was lit up by German searchlights and anti-aircraft fire. So, I mean, at times it was just like being in daylight. He jumped uh, uh, an altitude of 120 meters and had a hard landing on the, on the church's roof uh, there in France. He never were, was able to ma- meet up with the rest of his uh, uh, his unit, uh, but managed to by himself to completely uh, sabotage uh, several uh, bridges and power stations. He blew up a power station, but unfortunately for Joe, he w- uh, he crawled through a hedge uh, grow and uh, fell headfirst into a German sh- machine gun nest. So he's having a bad night. Can you imagine all the confusion that was going on oh, in the yeah. D-Day? And you know, mm-hmm. you know uh, there had to be a lot of friendly fire. And, oh, yeah. 
you know, I you know some of the tanks sank like they they oh, they, yeah. they came out too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they was transporting them across the channel, right? And they came out too soon. Some of the guys who jumped out jumped out too soon, and their packs Weighed them took, down. took yeah. them right to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they didn't have a chance. So yeah, so I guess in some ways he was fortunate he survived it, um, but he was captured, and he spent the next seven months as a German uh, prisoner of war. Um, they marched him, the Germans marched him deeper into France uh, toward a POW holding area when suddenly explosions, explosions started ripping out uh, from them everywhere. Uh, and uh, he thought it was, uh, it was German artillery or American aircraft. Joe wasn't sure. Uh, but both the Germans and American POWs were getting killed in this, were, you know, because they were, they were under attack. Joe took, uh, during this this uh, this time, Joe took shrapnel in his leg and was blown off his feet into a ditch. Uh, but rather than lay there, uh, he used it as an opportunity to escape. He evaded capture for another 12 hours behind enemy lines uh, before they caught him again. I mean, this guy, this guy just goes through hell. Um, this time, the Germans put him in a truck and drove it toward St. Louis, France, but the truck was uh, strafed with Allied aircraft. I mean, he's kind of... <laughs> he's getting shot by your own Yeah, he, he can't. Yeah. So, again, he tried to escape when this happened. He disarmed three guards. He was put in this um, uh, shelter, like a little workshop uh, area, this little shelter. Uh, he disarmed three guards in the workshop uh, knocking two of them unconscious and forcing the other guard's head into a vice. That's some bitch like Chuck Norris. <laughs> he was they pretty bad. They got badass. Joe Pesci over there <laughs> fighting in World War II. He was pretty badass. Although he got away for a few hours, he was caught again by patrol, was taken back to St. Louis, France, and uh, then the Americans bombed St. Louis all night long. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately for Joe, he survived that. Um, he was moved through seven different POW camps and escaped two more times unsuccessfully during that this <laughs> this adventure. This is a slippery little sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and eventually you just think they just uh, let him Fuck go. Fuck it, just go, <laughs> Just go. We're tired of taking it. It takes 20 people to watch your ass. Yeah, we just, can't fight this war. Just go. Uh, on the second attempt of these attempts, Joe and his fellow soldiers boarded a train that they thought was headed to Poland, of course, Poland being, you know, toward the east, so they thought they could meet up with the Red Army, uh, and and that was their plan. Unfortunately, um, the train was instead headed to Berlin. (laughs) So, got on the wrong train. (laughs) It's the first American in Berlin. (laughs) So, they get off the train in Berlin thinking they're in Poland, (laughs) and... uh, Motherfucker, you can't see a sunset? (laughs) Well, you know, to me, this is a short story. Uh-huh. Out. Uh, I, it had made me crazy. My son was in a play, uh-huh. and uh, my mother-in-law calls me, and she's trying to find the, the school. It's out in Mason that Tanner was in a play. In. Mm-hmm. This north of Cincinnati. And she, I'm like, where are you at? They're in a different car. And she's like, we're at the corner of this and that. And I said, well, okay, when, you're, when you tell people you're at the corner, there's four goddamn corners, Okay. <laughs> Right. So I said, well, which way are you facing? Now, she's got her husband in the car, and she's got her best friend and their husband in the car. Okay. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what, which way are you facing? Uh-huh. You know, because I'm going to tell them it's, it's right up the road. You either turn left or turn right, but I don't know which way you're facing. <laughs> and she said, I don't know. And I was like, well, ask, ask Eddie which way you're facing. Right. What direction you're facing. Yeah. And he said, I don't know. And I said, okay, fuck it. Ask Paul. Ask Paul what direction you're facing. And he said, he doesn't know. And now, Timmy, this is like 730 on a summer night. Right, okay? right, right. I was like, motherfucker, these are two Vietnam veterans. <laughs> you can't look up in the sky and tell me where that big, shiny motherfucking thing is up there. You can't tell east from west at sunset looking at the goddamn sun. How in the fuck did you survive in the jungle over there? <laughs> and then they hung up on me and went home. Well, I can't imagine that. Play. They didn't even come to the play. They turned around, drove 15 miles, and went home. But how in the hell, when people say which direction, when it's in the middle of daylight, or when it's sunset, 
Look for the shiny thing in the sky, goddammit. Yeah, well, apparently they didn't know they were on this train to Berlin. So they get to Berlin, right? They jump off the train thinking they were going to meet up with the Red Army. Instead, they Nine. Were, <laughs> nine. Nine. They, they were captured by uh, the, 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 the Gestapo. <laughs> and uh, the Gestapo uh, insisted they were American spies because they could never have – that they parachuted in Berlin, that they never <laughs> got there by train. And um, they started beating them. I mean, they started torturing uh, Joe. and Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. His uh, uh, com- companions. But luckily, the German army intervened, uh, and they said that, the, you know, since they were POWs, they had uh, jurisdiction over Joe and his uh, fellow soldiers. And a th- an army was pissed by it, didn't they? wanted his ass back. <laughs> so eventually, the Gestapo, really lucky for them, the Gestapo turned him over to the army because the Gestapo, I mean, not that the German army didn't uh, commit a lot of war crimes, but, you know. The Gestapo just shoot you. Yeah, they, 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 they were more, uh, they were a lot more rough. But anyway, so they placed him in a uh, POW camp. Uh, Stalag three in Western Poland. And unfortunately, the for Joe conditions did not really improve. He was interrogated 16 to 20 hours a day by the Germans. He was beaten, starved and suffered through mock executions. It didn't stop, however, uh, it did. It didn't stop, however, and soon he made his third bid for freedom in January 1945. So this is getting toward the end of the war here. This time he made it. After escaping uh, the camp, he headed east, probably looked at the sun, yeah, like you suggested, and hopes of hooking up with the advancing Soviet army because he was too far away from the uh, Western Front, right? Yeah. He was over in Berlin or, you know, in, in Poland. So he's trying to hook up with the Soviet army here. So that's what he does. Um, he ran into a Russian tank battalion. In the First Guard Tank Army. And, you know, when we talk about World War II, most of the, you know, and we're kind of, we get kind of hung up on World War II and the Western Front. Mm-hmm. But really, the war was fought on the Eastern on the Front. East, yeah. 80, I think 80% of all casualties occurred on the Eastern Front. So, you know, Russians, uh, Soviet Union lost 20 million men. Yeah, they lost uh, a whole right. generation. Right. So if you just take out, the whole Western Front of World War II, it would still be the biggest war yeah. in history. So um, Joe uh, m- uh, met up with a Russian tank battalion in the First uh, Guard Tank Army, and that is where he would meet Alexandria. Uh, Joe, making a desperate bid to return home, met the female captain leading the tanks of the Red Army to avenge her destroyed home where her husband and her entire family were killed during the German invasions. And, and, you know, this is well documented. Germans were just brutal. They didn't take... And, and on, the, on the Western Front, it was more of a traditional war. On the right. Eastern Front... Oh, it, it was it, just massacre. It was, yeah. I mean, they they, they would just in. kill... They, yeah. they wouldn't take prisoners. They would just... They, I think something like... Of of the German or, or of the Russian POW, something like they uh, like sixty five percent of them died, mm-hmm. whereas in, on the Western Front, only like eight percent of the yeah. Western POWs died. So it was in a war of attrition in the well, east. And I think that's where you get the view of uh, 
<clears throat> excuse me, people have this view of, well, the Gestapo and Hitler were horrible, but the German army itself wasn't that bad. You yeah. know, they kind of played. They did on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. On the Eastern Front, they didn't. That was a regular German army going right. through there. And it was just a, you know, yeah. it was like a reverse scorched earth. I mean, And, it, and, and that was, that's been proven to be pretty much a myth anyway. The German army was just as ruthless as the Gestapo. Oh, I know. And, but and our perception SS. comes oh, yeah. from the guys that were coming, you know, they came back well, and it was, it was a subject a, That's to, true. That's true on mm-hmm. the there were atrocities on all sides, but oh, yeah. it was more atrocities in the East. And then oh. part of it was after the war, we needed Germany on our side because right. we went into the Cold War. So we mm-hmm. kind of built up this myth that, you know, that the... Uh, the regular Ger- German yeah, the army Wehrmacht was not involved. Was, yeah, right, exactly. But no, but they, they couldn't Wehrmacht have done it without them. The, yeah. They couldn't have done it without gruesome, them. Yeah. So anyway, um, he meets up, uh, Joe now meets up... Uh, with this red army, and at first they thought he was German because he he had blonde hair mm-hmm. and he was light skinned. They, they 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 he almost got shot when he read up. Uh, Fucking Aryans. Yeah, but Fucking he raised Aryan it. Bastard. What he did was uh, wave a pack of Lucky Strike cigarettes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and so, you know, kept saying, "American friend, American friend." Um, and the twenty-two-year-old Alexandra, who was the same age as Joe, she was a dark-haired beauty. Uh, beautiful smile. She was uh, the only female Russian tank commander, and she would soon convince the American soldier that uh, uh, she would soon let the American soldier convince her to uh, fight by her side uh, on their advance to Berlin. So they're going, they're going to Berlin. Joe's just trying to, you know, hook up with the, uh, an ally, right? So he asked her if she he can go along with her. Now, at first, she was hesitant. But she finally agrees. Um, she Alexander was born on January 6, 1922 in Belarus. She was the youngest of seven children born to her parents. She has a really kind of sad story. She was raised on a small family farm. Her family was very poor and could not afford to send her to school. So she worked on the, uh, the farm starting at the age of four. Um, when she was older, she fell in love with a young man named Dmitri uh, that she was about 14 then. Dimitri was educated and taught Alexandra how to read and write and would even teach her English. The couple was married in 1938 when Alexandria was 18 years old. So they were happily married for a couple years. Then in 1941, of course, Germany launched Operation Barbarossa and invaded the Soviet Union. Within weeks, uh, uh, Dimitri was called up for duty. A couple said a tearful goodbye at the train station in Belarus. Um, he promised to return uh, to her and start a family, but in October of 1941, Alexander received a letter that uh, from Dmitri's commanding officer that Dmitri had been killed during a German offensive. She was not pleased, Timmy. No, she wasn't. Uh, heartbroken, she left her family to care for her dying aunt about uh, 200 miles east of her hometown in Belarus. Two weeks after she left to go care for her aunt, she learned that the German army had attacked her village, killing her mother, father, and six siblings. Now she was mad. Now she's pissed. Because basically she doesn't... Her Two days later after this event, her only surviving relative, her aunt, died in her arms. So now she has nothing left, right? She ain't got nothing left to lose, Timmy. All Now all alone in the world, Alexandra did not know what to do, so she joined the Red Army as a uh, private in the infantry. Uh, she had no family, no place, no home, so she decided, screw it, I'll just join the army, get some revenge. The Soviet uh, army was very progressive in providing opportunities for women in military, especially in time of war. And that's what the Germans didn't count on. You know, right. They had an idea mm-hmm. how the Russian strength was or Soviet mm-hmm. strength was, but the Soviets doubled that, basically, because they... they they had women fighting. Yeah, along they didn't care. Women. They gave right. women guns. And, put them um, in. Yeah. So. She was an attractive woman, too, if you yeah. look her up. She yeah. was a pretty woman. So the Soviets were, uh, as I said, they were very progressive. Um, uh, so Alexander went off to training outside of Moscow. She uh, soon proved to be a dedicated and very capable infantry soldier. She demonstrated a great deal of courage and leadership ability. Her abilities did not go unnoticed by her superior officer, one who recommended Alexander for tank school, which now this was a little 
you know, this is really progressive because no woman in that time had uh, was driving tanks. But in late 1942, Alexandria graduated first in her class from the Soviet Tank Academy. And the colonel will tell you what happens next. Well, to me, the following year, in 1943, Alexandra received her Order of the Red Star when her tank crew defeated three German Tiger tanks during the crucial Battle of, battle of Krusk, to me. You know, that battle was, uh, there were 6,000 tanks in that battle. <laughs> Could you imagine how oh, loud my, that was? Oh, my God. 6,000 tanks and 2 million men in the Battle of Kursk. Yeah, 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 it must Could have been. Could you imagine if we was trying to record an episode with all that nonsense we going on We kind of like having Brandy here in the background. It, it, well, not that loud, but, I mean, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be annoying. Yeah. It, it'd probably be almost as no- annoying and uh, belligerent as Brandy. You'd have yeah. to get that many yeah. tanks and that many men. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the battle was a ma- major turning point for the Soviets in World War II, and one where, combined with the two opposing armies, sent over 15,000 tanks, Timmy. 15,000. Crazy. A month later, she became the first and only female Russian tank commander in World War II. Several months later is when she met Jumpin' Joe. And although she seemed to like the young American from the first, she liked talking to him and practicing her English. She was very reluctant to let him fight alongside her battalion because she was a new commander and there weren't really any clear regulations covering this issue. Right. And, you know, Stalin, you don't really want to. You, you don't know, want to go right. against Stalin. <laughs> you, you don't want to freelance yeah. and make up your rules. Stalin was not the most well, progressive and, of men. And she was a new tank commander and the only right. female tank commander. So, you know, she wanted to she do didn't want to draw she attention didn't, to herself. She didn't want to break regulations, but uh, okay. But she reluctantly agreed. And she joined the unit as they made their way to Berlin. So Joe's with her now. Yeah. Now, Joe spent the next three months fighting right alongside his new battalion on the Eastern Front. Joe followed Alexandra's command like any other soldier, and the two became the best of friends. They would have long, long discussions. I believe they might have been doing it dirty, too. You know, there's no record of that, so I'm not going to comment on that. Alexandra was Leave that to your imagination. Well, she was, a, she was an attractive guy, and Joe was a bold man. So Alexandra would speak of her deceased husband, Dimitri, and a family that she lost. Joe would tell Alexandra about America and the small Michigan town from which he came. Alexandra taught Joe to speak Russian, and he would teach her American slang. Alexandra confided in Joe before she joined the Soviet Army, she had visited her husband's grave and promised him that she would make Berlin to avenge his death. See, Timmy. she's going to She ain't bullshitting around. You cannot mess around with those women. You know, because she probably made this decision, like, on the 12th, 13th of the month. It was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then the PMS hit her, and she's like, See, you know what? this is where you need Brandy to tell you to shut up. <laughs> I'm going to jump in the tank. I'm going to burn down every goddamn German I see. So anyway, Joe Joe tells Alexandra that once they arrive in Berlin, they would drink a toast to her husband at the Brandenburg Gate. Sounds like a plan. Unfortunately, it was not to be, Timmy. Uh, Joe, Alexandra, and the rest of the Soviet Army continued to fight their way toward Germany on what must must have been an incomparably cathartic day for Joe. They liberated Stalag III. Oh, this is his the last uh, yeah. prison camp Joe was held in. Right. In early February '44, Joe was badly wounded in an attack from German bombers and was ordered by doctors to be transported to uh, transported to a hospital in Poland. Before leaving for Poland, a wounded and heavily bandaged Joe searched frantically for Alexandra to say goodbye. Ironically, at the same time, Alexandra was searching the hospital for Joe, and the two simply missed each other. It's like those people in the movies running through an airport. Yeah. Only with machine gun fire and bombs falling yeah. down on you. A little different. but A little different, but kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. Joe, however, was able to find Alexandra's tank before he was shipped off to Poland. When Alexandra arrived back at the tank, she found two white roses and a note from Joe that simply read, Thank you in Russian. So Joe goes to the hospital. He's mending in uh, Russian-occupied Poland. Soviet Marshal Georgi Zhukov. Yeah, the uh, famous uh, marshal, uh, the famous military leader. Yeah. Became very interested in the only American in the hospital and came to speak with him to learn his story. 
He soon gave him official papers to locate and rejoin U.S. troops. From the hospital in Poland, Joe hopped onto a convoy back to Moscow to seek out the American embassy. Unfortunately, his story had already taken a dark turn that would make the rest of his journey home difficult. Joe's dog tags had been found in Normandy after D-Day on what is now presumed, and he was now presumed to be on what was now presumed to be a dead German soldier. Yeah, so when he was captured, German soldiers takes his takes his tags, dog and tags. then the German soldier gets killed. And they yeah. find the German soldier and his dog tags, so they tell his family that he's back in Muskegon, Michigan, that he's dead. Yes, and. Uh, so now he has to convince him that he's alive. Now, yeah, now he's got to be like, no, that's me. Hmm. So the American embassy didn't believe he was who he said he was. After some persistence and insistence, Joe managed to get the embassy to take his fingerprints and his identity was indeed confirmed. World War II and his long journey were coming to an end for Jumpin' Joe. He returned home to Michigan in April 21st, 1944, celebrated VE Day two weeks later in Chicago. Joe met and met, married a lovely Joanne Hollowell in 1946, coincidentally in the same church and by the same priest who had held his funeral mass two years earlier. So his marriage and his funeral, basically the same thing. I mean, you just go, <laughs> only thing is, one, you're laying there all relaxed, and the other one, you got a tuxedo and you're sweating, but... But anyway, Joseph Barrow worked for the Brunswick Corporation for 28 years, retiring as a shipping supervisor. In 1994, to mark the 50th anniversary of D-Day, Joe was honored by, at the White House by both U.S. President Bill Clinton and Russian President Boris Yeltsin. For the next 10 years, Joe received a lot of publicity in the U.S. and Russia for his amazing journey and the symbol of cooperation he was for the post-Cold World countries. When he returned from the war, Joe had tried to reach Alexandria by mail. However, there is no record she ever received his letters. Sadly, Timmy, Alexandra did not survive the war. On March 3, 1945, one month before the war was to end, she died from wounds in the then German, German village of Zuzulaufitz, just 50 miles east of Berlin. You can oh, look it up. Just short of her goal. Zuzulaufitz. Okay. Alexandra had been crushed under the tanks of a Soviet tank at night when the tank driver could not see the accompanying soldiers in the darkness. Oh, that's going to be a terrible way to go, being run over by a tank. Well, and you know, as the tank's coming over her, she got to be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I go through all this shit. All this shit, and you're fucking running me over with my own tank. Yeah. Yeah, So, on March 13th, Alexandra was posthumously awarded the Order of the Patriotic War First Class by the Soviet Union. In 1973, the story of her life, Flowers on a Tank, became a bestseller in the Soviet Union. In interviews before he died, Joe said he often thought of his old comrade, Alexandra, the woman who saved his life. Joe had said Alexandra was a symbol for Russian courage and fortitude. He undoubtedly a symbol of the same for the Americans. Jumpin' Joe died in his sleep of heart failure on December 12, 2004, during a visit to Taco, Georgia, where he trained, where he had originally trained with paratroopers in 1942. He was 81 years old. He was buried with full military honors at Arlington Cemetery. Fittingly, his eldest son, Joe Jr., served in the 101st Airborne in the Vietnam War, and his youngest son, John, would go on to serve as the United States ambassador to Russia from 2008 to 2012, Timmy. All right. So it's kind of an encouraging but heartbreaking story, Timmy. Yes. All right, Colonel, what's your final thoughts on comrades, Jumping Joe and Alexandra? Well, you know, I think that the Russians could have done a little bit of better job of tailoring her because this woman had a, had a nice set of knockers on her, Timmy. <laughs> And the uniform just doesn't show it all. Well, but yeah, they need to work on that. They should have. Yeah. They should have. Yeah. But Joe's a pretty uh, Joe's a pretty tough bastard. Yeah, he was. And uh, wouldn't want to mess with him. It's interesting that his uh, son became ambassador to, to Russia. Yeah. Um, just simply because he looks like he has a pretty much blue collar background, and then in the course of one generation to 
you know, right. be an ambassador. Yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive. Yeah, it is. All right, Colonel, uh, you got some shout outs for us for our Patreon supporters? I do, our Patreon supporters. Let's start with Stephen Potts. Well, I just would like to say before we do that, if you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash history dweebs where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or, or just a wee little bit. Too. Yeah, we really, really do appreciate all of your generous donations. And the Colonel's going to give some shout outs to Stephen. Stephen Potts. Yes, and all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. James Seabright, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes. Yeah, Jason. Jason has a uh, episode coming up, one that he wrote. So oh, does he? Yeah, we're doing one do of his scripts. Yeah, his hopefully. Scripts are always good. Yeah, they're so. always good. Terry Stafford, my ill-tempered co-host on Ransom Reason, Shelly Garrett. Hi, Shelly. She's uh, quite jealous of my dog. She's got dogs, She's Shelly and Karen. She's Shelly and Karen. Yes. She is. So Multiple Karen personalities. Michelle, but, uh, yeah, we, we got into a little bit of a falling out over dogs, Timmy. Why is that? What happened? Well, she's got this dog. It's a English. It's some kind of weird shepherd dog, mm-hmm. you know. But it looks like a golden retriever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a really big butt. And okay. You pointed that out? I did. You know, you should never point out women big butts. Yeah, but Rudy likes a big butt. Okay. I just pointed out. Maybe cannot we lie. could hook him up. He likes big butts. He cannot lie. Maybe I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, that could be a right. Maybe that could be a history dweeb. But she, get her she wasn't open to that. She was not open to Rudy uh, being around her dog in yeah. any fashion. Okay. And she was not pleased that I said a dog had a big butt. <laughs> but a dog does have a big butt. So. The dog was all like, does this fur make my ass look big? And I was like, no, your ass makes your ass. But anyway, I'll move on on. Okay. Bridget Clavey. The lovely Bridget Clavey. Brandy McBride. Brandy. Jennifer Swoda. Swoda, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, Jennifer. Maggie, a poet in residence. Mike Sadler, Jamie Dent, Maja, Tyrone, Amber Scoville, Marsha Boris, Stacey Allison, Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, of course, our good, good friends from They Walk Among Us, Ben and Rosanna. Yes, mm-hmm. Ben and Rosanna. The and best last, podcast. I'll tell you what. That oh. last episode they did on that. Uh, Alan Turing, and it oh, was great. It was a two-parter. It was great. And yeah. I, I know it's not true crime, and, you know, they got some bad feedback, unfortunately. I, you know what? I and that irritates me. That. Because, that was like the greatest story. Oh, I know. That, it's yeah. awesome. Awesome work. And uh, if you haven't checked out They Walk Among Us, check them out. Check out the latest well, actually, it was a two-parter. So the last it was a two two-parter. episodes, season episode, season two, episode nineteen, episode twenty. Yeah, it's awesome. So check it out. It's re- it is. Really I mean, we get to, we kind of we kind of go through the same thing when we don't do true crime. We get I mean, we get fewer downloads. Like this one, will get fewer downloads if we did a serial killer. But oh, I just like to you bunch you know, of sick bastards. I just like to mix it up myself. It makes it more interesting for me. But they did it. It was such a great podcast. Great. Episode. Well, you know, honestly, they do try. I mean, all so of the great. yeah, all yeah. of their episodes are good, but I really like the Iron Turing um, episodes. But even you know, when I listened to it and uh, I got to part two, and when it was over, I was like, "Hey, nobody killed him. What? There was no, there was <laughs> no murder himself. in here." Okay. But you it was a great it movie. Were, yeah, I mean, a great episode. Yeah, it's yeah. Check it out. Lorna Violet, uh, Michael Deo, Kelly Charette, Karen White, Widner, Callie, Callie, lovely Jones. Callie. She is so funny. She is the funniest person yeah, I've ever is met. A, she is a hoot. But she got talent toes. Yes. Talent, big old talents for feet. Uh, Laura Meredith, Jessica Greeno. Of course, our friend of Pleasing Tears. Yes, Mike Brown. Mike. Ben D. Jennifer Riker-Smith. I love Jennifer. Sarah Bloom, who is, of course, our, our sergeant at arms. And ambassador. Page. And ambassador. The lovely and beautiful Amber Group. Joe from Now America History Podcast, Catherine, Cock Richardson, Fiona Crisp, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Aaron, Kimberly Cameron, Elise, of course, Diane Student from History Goes Bump, and that portrayed Lise, Jahara, Alicia Smith, and Chip, Marika Smith, Jeff and Dawn, Jeff, the sock connoisseur that he is, he's a dapper man. He has a lot of socks. He does. Backroads to History. He's got cool shoes, too. He, he's got the Backroads to History and Poems by Jeff. I really... Yeah, now his, I have not. I have to admit, I haven't listened to Poems by Jeff, but Backroads is really a I think I'm going to write a poem one. and send to him and see if he'll read it. I wrote him, too, um, about <laughs> a girl from Nantucket, <laughs> he's never but he hasn't read done either of them. Huh. 
Can't Karen that. Barnes, Rachel Flynn, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, Lydia Fisher, Phyllis Munson, Melissa Montoya, Cindy Lou, Kristen Malachinsky, Amanda Christine. Let's see where we're at here. Heather Poole, Adam McWaters, The Vanish Podcast. Marissa Jones. Marissa. Lovely Christy Lee, who uh, has much nicer teeth than I do today. She has a Canadian true crime podcast. Yeah, she's. And don't be climbing those mountains and trying to sneak over here, Christy Lee. So, insight. And she's an Aussie, too. She is an Aussie. So, that's, you know, she could climb the mountains. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, she probably, she's probably hiked the outback before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Insight. Charlie and Allie, of course, are good, good friends who are up for an award. Look for that link on their page, the Insight page, oh, for the Best job, Canadian ladies. Australian Podcast Award. Yeah, so good job. I voted for them three times. Um, Joe Clifford, Mistress Vader, Ron Monasterio. Tracy Only way Smith. we're going to win an award is get the Russians involved. <laughs> it is. There's going to have to be some kind of undue influence. Although Karen Barnes is kind of our Russian. I mean, she, she kind of fixes our elections for us usually. She does. Yeah. She does. She helps us out. Um, we got John B., Nene, Bridget Bernard, Stacy, Christine Howard, Cheryl Weldon, um, Le- um, Nicholas, Ryan, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Michelle Johns, Clark and Diane Trowbridge, Beth Wallen, Andrew Scammell. Michaela Wallstrom, Aaron Fowler, Leanne Flanagan, Julia Rodriguez, Jairo, Ursula, the Comeback Podcast, of course, Kim Stroop, Joe Clifford, Carol Elise, Rudy the Wonder Dog. Yes, our official mascot. Lady Beverly, and the lady we do this show for, uh, the queen of all, uh, all of our hearts, Dottie, Dottie Scott. Yes, thank all of you for supporting us on Patreon. And again, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash history dweebs. And if you would like to join our Facebook group, just uh, search for History Dweebs, the podcast. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. And we'll, get, we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Bye, everyone. Good day. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.